Gordon Hayward has some injury drama, except it might be upped a little bit more this time. We'll talk about their win against the Timberwolves and shout out a legend all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. I'm Walker Mail. You can find me on WFNZ with Wes and Walker, 12 to 3 every weekday. Follow me on Twitter at Walker Mail. And that's Doug Branson. You can get more of his Hornets thoughts on his Substack, Every Hornets Box Score at at everyhornetsboxscore.com. You'll see the write-up of a victory over the Minnesota Timberwolves on everyhornetsboxscore.com. The second win in a row for the Hornets, which is a winning streak as far as I'm concerned. That's I know you have to one. have... First one this season, going streaking. Now, some people will say you have to have three for it to be a streak, but not in Charlotte Hornets land. We're going to go with two, and so the Hornets are on a winning streak. Can they make it a third tonight against Boston? Going to be tough. We'll get to that in just a moment. We got to get to the Gordon Hayward drama here, though, Doug, first and foremost. Lots of injury drama surrounding Gordon Hayward and his time with the Charlotte Hornets, right? People kind of speculated this might happen after he signed the contract because of the bad ankle injury he suffered five minutes into his Boston Celtics tenure, already on the wrong side of 30 and all that, right? But this one Getting a little bit more drama, his wife's involved on social media. And so Gordon Hayward is out indefinitely with a left scapula injury, and it's a shoulder blade fracture. It was initially labeled left shoulder contusion, and Hayward attempted to play through it. But you did have something similar happen. I know you put this in there, by the way, with Darius Baisley. He missed a month and about 16 games or so for Darius Baisley with something similar happening there, a left shoulder contusion. And then there was a fracture found out after all. Gordon Hayward's wife went to social media and expressed frustration with how the team labeled the injury early on. And she said this, quote, he actually has a fractured scapula that they had him play with last game. That's why he could not move his arm up in the last game. Everyone who knows Gordon knows he has one goal, and that's to win and play the right way. He's the most truthful player slash person you'd find. If he's not going to play, it's for something more than a bruise. I'm uh, I'm over them not protecting players. Just was talking with a young player's mom, and she was saying the same thing. End quote from Gordon Hayward's wife. What do you make of the injury? The Hornets deciding to play Gordon. His wife's reaction, lot to get and comb through here. What is the first thing you notice with this entire situation? Well, I think his his wife's frustrations are understandable. I mean, I think, you know, uh if if the team is labeling the injury a bruise when it really is a fracture, uh you you, you would have to think like why would they do that? And the only thing I can come up with is that you know they're trying to protect trade value that it, that it would be easier you know down the line if he does you know rehab this thing and come back not not to have it out there that you know it was another bone fracture from a player known for a pretty prominent bone fracture and this injury doesn't really have anything to do with what happened in Boston or any of the other in- injuries he's had it's just you know an unfortunate string of of luck for him 
Uh, but you know, I, I would I would be understandably frustrated if the team was labeling an injury something that it wasn't. But we haven't heard Gordon Hayward be frustrated by that at least publicly. Right. So it's 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 all very interesting. I mean, you know, more more drama around injuries this season for the Charlotte Hornets. It's been an ongoing storyline. So it it matters, and this happens in the NFL all the time, especially surrounding concussions, but it can transition into other injuries, any part in NFL, NBA, whatever, and we're having it here with the Charlotte Hornets. How much responsibility do you put on the players to protect themselves, and how much responsibility do you put on the team to protect the players? This is an age-old question that we get to quite a bit within the NFL, but now when you're talking about it from a very Gordon-specific view, Doug, her frustration has to be amped a thousand degrees because of the way that the fans have such a vitriol for Gordon Hayward, right? Especially with him getting injured again. And I would understand her frustration on all accounts. One, the Hornets in her mind, not protecting her husband Two, on the fans where she's angry at every of the, every one of the Charlotte Hornets fans, because they're calling for Gordon Hayward to play when he gets injured, they're throwing out all kinds of names with him being a pansy, even worse, being a wuss, all that, and not being able to go out there on the court. Because well, bruise, you and, know, contusions a bruise, and so you say, "Well, this right. guy's got a bruise," and it's like, "Oh, well, I, you know, I hit my leg on the table, I got a bruise." It's you know, it's obviously it's different, but that's how fans are going to think about it. That's how fans think, right? Even though it is clearly different, it is obviously different, and you also have to understand too, like Gordon Hayward probably does want to play because he's tired of that reputation as well. The trade value the Hornets want to protect. And Gordon that was speculation to, on my that's speculation no, on it. my part. You know, I'm trying oh, to figure yeah. out why they would why they would do why if you and I and I don't know if, even if they knew it was a fracture, but why would you do that? Why would you say contusion if it really was a fracture? It clearly benefits trade value for the Charlotte Hornets if it were to not come out as a fracture. Yes, I'm not saying the Hornets did this. That is not at all reported. That is not at all what I'm thinking. But it does protect trade value to some degree. And it also protects, and Gordon Hayward wants to come out there and play because he wants to shake this reputation, right? Like, I just think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of angles to view when Gordon Hayward goes out there on the court where his wife might be frustrated and at home, I wonder if they agree. I wonder if they are the ones agreeing you know what hey you're right I'm, I'm really mad at the team too um and, and maybe he is because you could be mad at the team for not coming out and saying hey Gordon's out because he has this fractured shoulder however I don't think the fans would take that any better I think they'd still be oh well here he is injured again let's just go ahead and trade him as much as we can get pennies on the dollar I don't care yeah I mean she would go on to walk it back in another post she said just want to clear the air about my post on friday night i was frustrated with the injury report and the response to it so they're going to your point you know the frustration being with the response to gordon hayward being out with the shoulder injury trying to come back going out again she she goes on to say i'm sorry i came across in a negative way it's not at all how i feel about the organization now i think that there's probably some more there there than the walk back would suggest, uh, you know, I, I think there there is, and I, look, I don't have much room to give this organization on doing things the right way anymore. I mean, I think, you know, there there is obviously a motivation for this team right now to win basketball games, and they do have a lot of other injuries. So, I, like, would I be surprised if the team was pressuring Gordon Hayward to play? Uh, no, absolutely not. Especially when you take into consideration that they uh, do have a lot of money invested into Gordon Hayward, and they have a lot of other players out. And you know, Clifford, Steve Clifford, uh, has voiced many times how important having Gordon Hayward on the floor is. The problem, and, and why he is now, I think, out 
you know, indefinitely is because having him out there, as we saw in the past couple of games he's played, having him out there with a dead arm, which is what the shoulder fracture does. When you fracture your shoulder blade, you can't lift your arm. We were seeing it when he shot. He was hurting it when he dunked. Like yeah. just, it, it was just painful to watch him play and he wasn't as effective. So, and honestly, I think this helps them, Walker, that he's going to spend some time getting 100% if they do eventually bring him back you know, and, and, and aren't looking to trade him away. Having him at 100% is going to benefit them ultimately, but also it solves kind of some issues they may have with with some some jam up at the at the guard position. They may be able to refigure this starting lineup a little bit to actually benefit them in the short term. Yeah, that's the other angle that you mentioned just earlier is that the Hornets, if they are trying to win games, I think they are because they haven't traded anybody yet. We know that they were at the beginning of the season. We know about the whole Steve Clifford not trying to be a part of a rebuild thing. So maybe Gordon Hayward is trying to go out there and the Hornets are. I don't know if they're pressuring Gordon Hayward, but but maybe they are. I, I don't know. This is always the, the whole what is the training staff telling Steve Clifford? What is the higher-ups in the organization, what are they getting from the training staff? It's like, well, no, he can go. I, it's He's not going to be very good because he can't lift his arm above this level. He can't go above <laughs> shoulder level. So it's really seem, hard to it seems through. important. It seems important to be able to yeah. lift your shoulder really as high as it will go in a game of basketball. But, so, so then it's like, well, can he be out there and dribble and pass? Uh, yeah, but, you know, reaction, my, I don't know what the conversation is, right? Like maybe there is 50% level that he can play as long as he doesn't do this, <laughs> you know, does, do you just need to keep it below shoulder width or shoulder height? Then yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know the conversations, but um, it's not the first drama surrounding injuries for them. You know, LaMelo is different because fans wanted LaMelo to come back so badly and they were, you know, I people were frustrated with the team holding him back. People were frustrated well, but, with LaMelo. But, but it's similar in that we've got now, I think, so, so three players now, LaMelo, DSJ, and uh, Gordon, who have come back from injuries and then yeah. had them re-injure, you know, that, that same area. And, and so it is, I think, a troubling trend of bringing play, either the team – pushing players to come back early or allowing players to push themselves to come back early and now getting re-injured. And the bottom line is, look, if you're trying to win games, you have to have players that are healthy. And they're 6-14 and 14 right now. What? So that's eight games back of 500. I was looking at this, Walker. In 13-14, when they made the playoffs with Big Al Jefferson in the All-NBA third-team mm-hmm. year, they were eight games back of 500 in January. So like, and and they ended up winning forty three games because they went on this crazy streak at the end of the year where they were putting together six and seven game winning streaks. So you know, as as I think as as focused on sort of the draft and Victor Webinyama as as some percentage of the fans are, there's a realistic, there's more than a realistic shot. There's a lot of basketball left to play. There's a realistic shot that this team could get things pulled back together if they get healthy. But obviously, bringing back players early is not helping this team. No, it's not. And you do have to hope that some other teams ahead of you are going to continue to fall, which might happen with injuries that they suffer themselves. Um, But right now, the Hornets are only a game up on the Detroit. Well, Detroit is 5-17. and They're two games up on Detroit. They're one game up on Orlando from the uh, bottom of the Eastern Conference standing. So that's where they are right now after their win against Minnesota coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We're going to talk all about that victory. Kelly and the kids, baby. 
coming big against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Huge game from everybody there, and we'll get to that in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, whenever you want it, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., U.K., Canada, and Australia. You can book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. You can get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday or holiday. You can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've always had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday life. Mini Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. We'll recap the win against Minnesota next. Locked on Hornet is locked on Hornets. They're running their rookies to Greensboro. They're driving them to Greensboro and then driving them back the same day to play in an NBA game. I cannot (laughs) wait until the Hornets load manage. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen today. Make your uh, next listen Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Hornets got the win against Minnesota. I didn't think they were going to get this victory. I thought it was going to be a terrible matchup. We know about the size that Minnesota brings. We know that they were actually starting to figure it out on offense. They were red hot coming into that game. Minnesota had won five straight. Four of the five of those contests were on the road, too. So it's not like getting home court advantage was expected to be this big advantage for Charlotte. And yet Kelly Oubre, Doug, continues to impress this season as much as I was not a fan, especially when he did second half. First half, he was just going bonkers last year. Second half, the shot started to wane and he just kept letting him fly. But he really does seem to be a guy that is practicing what he preached at the beginning of the year. And he talked about playing inside out. He talked about making better decisions. Now, he almost blew it entirely to hell when he had that shot in the corner and he was about to let it fly. And really, the play was just to dribble the air out of the basketball and then get fouled. And whoo, Kelly wanted to, man. He is so hardwired to shoot at all costs. It does not matter if the game is on the line. There's an open shot. There is any daylight. Oh, oh God. Oh, God, I got to shoot. Oh, okay. The fans are telling him, don't shoot. Don't do it. And then he finally passes in midair, and eventually the Hornets would get the win. But nonetheless, that that mistake didn't happen, and Kelly Oubre ends up scoring two points shy of 30, three of seven from three-point land, but really did a lot of his damage within two-point range. Doug, I know you have dubbed him Tsunami Father for a reason. <laughs> well, I think to me that deciding not to shoot that short corner three, you know, he went into the short corner wilderness, Tsunami Poppy did, and he came out on the other side, Tsunami Father. The transformation is complete. <laughs> he He's saw showing the up. <laughs> yeah, he's showing up every he was tempted. He was tempted in the wilderness to take that short corner three to knock it down at, like he's done so many times throughout his Hornets career and throughout his entire career in the NBA. And instead, he said, no, I'm going to make the smart play here. Uh, shout out to the uh, courtside fans. You know, I often I often <laughs> yeah. rail against I often it. rail against those fans because uh. 
because they make themselves a part of the game in a negative way. You know, they'll, they'll obviously purple shirt guy is the main example, but there are numerous examples of courtside fans trying to make themselves part of the entertainment package when they are there to be entertained. You are not part of the game. But in this instance, it's the one of the rare instances where courtside fans actually make themselves part of the game in a positive way, reminding Kelly Oubre that all they have to do is get fouled, run the clock out, and they they steal a win against Minnesota. I, I mean, I saw the line of this game, Walker, as high as six points. Uh, yeah, so I, five and I a half, think, I think, is what I saw at finalized, maybe even six at the end. But yeah, that's exactly what I saw. So, you know, I mean, big time doggies, almost almost two possession doggies. Uh, well, no, it is two possession doggies if you're if you're five <laughs> or six. So, yeah, I mean, I think uh, this was a huge win. I put it in my good win column, got off to a little bit oh, of yeah. a bad got off to a little bit of a bad start. But it was it was contributions across the board. Uh, Clifford mentioned this was a full team win, and it really was. I mean, second straight game, you're getting big contributions from Teo Maladon. He has come back on with uh, DSJ going out of the you know going out of the lineup. Uh, he's been huge. You also got Kai Jones with this uh, jump stop free throw line jumper. That's apparently a thing. Book Knight had some pull up threes. He got go, some action. Fuck. I mean, come on, everybody. The baby B energy was all over the place. It was exciting. I mean, everybody was stinging. Absolutely, they were. It was stinging, man. Kai Jones. That that's that's probably a story that deserves a lot more. I did want to just kind of touch on a few other things. Um, you you mentioned you put it in the good win column. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the three best wins of the year. Not a lot to pick from, but the ones it contends with. It's Golden State still probably has to be number one, one twenty, one thirteen in overtime early on to get to five hundred. Golden State's number one win of the year. Atlanta's a good argument too, especially with the oh, happening. They, yeah, they were double the digit. They were double, double digit dogs in that one, and they they won the, by what one one twenty six to one oh nine. Huge win. That one has a little bit more merit in hindsight. I mean, even then, it was a big win, no doubt. But I think in hindsight, because Atlanta actually has played well because DeJounte and Trey are playing well but I, I put Minnesota third I yeah I mean it's not it's come Philadelphia was not a big win we would have because no, everybody was that. out yeah, everybody, yeah. Hard, Char- no hard no maxi no Embiid you know I mean you were expected to win that game they actually, they actually were four and a half point favorites in that game so I do this like yeah. quick caps thing so that I can remember what happened throughout the season and I have categories of win loss Good win, bad loss, and and I I have three good wins on the season: Atlanta, Golden State, this one against Minnesota. I have two bad losses: the one that they had in, in October to Orlando, and the one where they, Washington was missing Beal and they lost by eight points despite being two point favorites. So three good wins, two bad losses, and a lot of because of injuries, a lot of losses that were pretty much expected at the time. Uh, but yeah, this one this one's huge, and uh, lots of contributions. They were rebounding well. They were lucky, though. I want to p- throw a little bit of cold water on this. They were they got extremely fortunate in this one, Walker. That Carl Anthony Towns was a steaming pile of doo doo in this one. Like he was throwing up brick after wow. brick, and uh, and and also just the team itself. Uh, not a text to me uh, during the game, just to mention like how. Minnesota was playing uh, like a bunch of idiots. Like it was, it was just crazy. Like they were throwing away the basketball, crazy turnovers, stuff that would have just outraged me if I were a Minnesota fan. They really threw this game away. Big opportunities for Minnesota to come in. They were on a winning streak. Uh, they oh, they yeah. had played well over the past five games against Eastern Conference teams, and they really threw this one away. But the Hornets, to their credit, were there and available to take it away from them. 
They were shooting at a damn high level coming in. I mean, I think Anthony Edwards shot 50% in the previous game on pretty high volume, and he was the guy that shot the least efficient among any of the other starters you're talking about for Minnesota, and, and that was in the game coming in to that contest against Charlotte. Now, it got close at the end, too, uh, but the third quarter that Charlotte had scoring 39 to Minnesota's 21, that was enough of a cushion they provided themselves in order to hold on. I do want to mention, I think this is the biggest story real quickly, Doug, before okay. we move on right. to the last segment. Kai Jones, Kai Jones is the biggest story. This thing matters now. This thing matters for the future. The fact that he's coming in and giving hard minutes and making the most of it, 12 rebounds for Kai hard Jones. Dunks. We know all the athleticism. I keep going back to Kai Jones discussing what it was like to transition to the NBA as even younger than he is now, right? He's already a kid. And when he was right making that transition, he said, look, I'm learning that you can't just dunk everything. I like that he's unlearning that. No, you can. Just go ahead just, and dunk just everything. Dunk it. Just dunk everything. You know, if if you want to have the the jump stop fade away, you know free throw jumper, okay. Like it, it was an air ball the first time you tried it this season. Well, the I think, fade but. away. So let's make a distinction here because the pull up free throw line jumper has been effective. It's that the fade away that he shot where you're going. Okay, okay. <laughs> there's there's always here's the thing in every game. I think you can look back. I'm pretty. I'm going to say I'm almost 99 percent certain that if you look back in each of the games that Kai Jones has gotten these extended minutes, you can find. One amazing highlight dunk. You can find one jump shot where yeah. you go, wow, I didn't know you had that in your game. And then you can find one play where you go, okay, guy, back yeah, it down. Easy. Like too easy. much. <laughs> yep. Um, Steve Clifford, Kai Jones is a Steve guy and vice versa. Uh, you know, Steve Clifford talked about the guys that he was impressed with most. He mentions DSJ, of course, Jalen McDaniels, Nick Richards, Kai Jones, Oddly enough, it's been very hard. I've made this point a couple times on WFNZ. You and I pretty much took, you know, played a game. Who was going to be a Steve guy? And right. we were sure JT Thor was going to be a Steve Clifford guy. We were sure James Booknight was not going to be a Steve Clifford guy. And he clearly was getting a lot. He's back in the rotation, by the way, playing again. Um, you know, yeah, and the injuries. I, injury. I understand, we'll I understand we'll injuries. He did what he good, look eight points. Game. I'll take two three pointers for from James Booknight, but he got but got back in. Um, Kai Jones winning over Steve Clifford with minutes he's getting in the regular season and his attitude, which Steve Clifford has talked about a lot. Which I don't know how you can dislike Kai and his attitude. He's the best human there is on the team. I mean, it's just how it is. Um, yeah, man, awesome stuff that matters now. That matters for the future. The the project just putting some pieces together. It's big. Well, well, here's the thing to watch with Kai Jones, because obviously, as as fans, we're going to look at that play that he had at the beginning of the fourth quarter where Nick Richards gets the block on Gobert, puts it out into the break, and then Kai Jones goes way, 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 way up top of the gym for the alley-oop. I mean, that's the future. That's the year 2000. That's what we're all going to get excited about. What's going to continue to get him more minutes is his ability to rebound the basketball. And he has done that very well, both on the offensive end and the defensive end. He's gotten more opportunities because they've played teams that that are particularly big underneath. Okay, and, you know, so and they play big, and so Kai Jones makes sense to put into those lineups. But I think he's going. You know, the more he he gets accustomed to playing defense at the four, the better he can show himself there. The more effort he gives on the boards, the more minutes I think he'll earn. It's really exciting to see for the future, not not just for this season, but for many seasons to come. All right, let's talk a little bit more about that coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. 
I want to give some final thoughts on the game against Minnesota. Plus, I do want to shout out a legend in Charlotte Hornets lore that passed away this weekend. We'll get to that in just a moment. But this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is an app where you can pick two to six players, and if they will go score more or less than the Prize Picks projection, you can win up to twenty-five times your money on any entry. Yeah, twenty-five times. Ridiculous. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offer projections on any sport that you watch it includes the nba the nfl the mlb but also college football men's and women's college basketball soccer wnba esports nascar disc golf boxing euro basketball cricket so much more entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy you also have staff uh, safe and fast withdrawals currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. You can download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, Prize Picks gives you 100. If you deposit 50, Prize Picks uh, gives you 50. You get the idea by now. Just don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Finishing thoughts on the game coming up next. Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. This amazing photo of Mitch Kupchak standing next to Steve Clifford in, in what looks like a, 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 I think if you if you typed into one of those AI image generators, shotgun wedding. Uh, this is the picture that would come <laughs> up because Steve Clifford looks yeah, absolutely so good. shocked. There's not a background underrated part of this. It's right. just a blank white screen, so you're not having any Hornets graphics. You don't even have the courtesy to There's bring blank, in uh, blank white faces, too. Yeah, blank white faces. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Let's finish up our thoughts on this Minnesota game. Doug, I know you had a couple more points you wanted to make. Let's rapid fire this to get out on time. What do you have for us to start the segment off? Uh, well, I mentioned Teo Maladon. I mean, I think they got to find some money, got to find a spot for him. He's been too important to this team. You know, even when DSJ comes back, you know, I think they've got to find some room in the rotation for Teo. You know, the way he just commands the pick and roll on the offensive end and then defensively, he's doing a lot of the same things. Maybe there's too much room. I don't know. They've got to figure something out, though, because Teo has been spectacular. Awesome. Uh, Minnesota almost came back in this game. Uh, this was not one that they won easily. Obviously, they had to, you know, have a big third quarter to even get in the game but then Minnesota made a run at the end it was nice to see the Hornets finally make some plays at the end of a fourth quarter that were positive that made the difference uh, including Mason Plumley, who had a couple of tips offensive rebounds uh, that that really made a difference Terry Rozier hit a wide open three with three minutes to go in the fourth quarter that staved off that attack that was opened by a Plumley offensive rebound that put them up four they had to make some more plays after that but that Terry Rozier after going 0-5 to start the game. Oh, yeah. The shooting is still not there for Terry Rozier, but he does come up with a huge open three, knocks it down. He's still a certified gamer. He just has to find that three-point shot. The Hornets could have won this game easily. They could have won some a, a number of these games that they've lost over the past couple of weeks. They could have won easily had Kelly Oubre and uh, Terry Rozier knocked down a few shots, but we're not going to blame Kelly because he's doing so much else. But Terry has to play better. He has to shoot better. 
Um, his assists are way up. Terry's stats are, um, you know, if you look at his well, assists, because he's, he's, he's playing point guard, and that's part of right. why he's not shooting well, is because he's playing out of position. He's looking to help others, and I think it's affecting uh, his ability to shoot. Yeah, exactly my point. You know, 38% from field, uh, 30.1% from three on nearly nine attempts per game. So the shot from deep is not working at all. If he, you know, this number would be the worst he's shot in the league since his rookie year when he only appeared in 39 games, played eight minutes of those 39 games and shot 22%. So and for all intents and purposes, this is the worst he's ever shot from three. Um, and we'll see if he's able to get back on track at some point. I believe he will. He's a bona fide shooter. You can call him certified right. gamer, also a certified shooter. So that's going to climb up. And you, you know, they always talk about regressing down. to the mean. I want, I want, yeah. I would like for once to progress to the mean. I need, I need Terry to progress back to the mean. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, but the assists are up. And I, I do think, you know, yeah, I, I was giving him a lot of credit at the beginning of the season, making smarter decisions as a point guard. So Terry, you know, still the shooting. Well, they got to find some way game. to get more minutes with him at the off guard. I mean, I'm going to I'm just going to keep yelling this on the show until it happens. I get they are uh, crazy because they've had so many good point guards come into the to, to the rotation with with Teo and DSJ. But somehow they're still out of point guards because DSJ is hurt again because LaMelo right. is out for an extended period of time. So, but they've got to find some ways to get Teo and and Terry on the floor at the same time because that works. The six turnover is not good from Terry either in this one. Yeah. Uh, PJ PJ got in foul <laughs> trouble, kind of opening the door for yeah. more Kai Jones uh, minutes. And PJ, you know, shot well from two point range at least. That that was helpful. Um, three point range not really working for him, but did finish with sixteen points. And uh, so there's the score from PJ. So that was really about it for the uh, Minnesota game. Do you have any other final thoughts before we move on? Well, just on the P.J. foul stuff, I wasn't bothered by it. I don't think Clifford was either. Uh, he's been bothered by fouling this season, but like P.J. being aggressive on Cat was the right move. You know, trying oh, to yeah. take him out of his rhythm, and he was way outside of his rhythm. Finally, the Hornets do a good job, or at least get lucky with a star not shooting the basketball well, not playing well, and they take advantage of it. Unlike when they played Washington the last time, they got one of these type of games from Christoph Porzingis, and they couldn't take advantage of it. So I'm glad to see the Hornets you know, shedding some of those previous lost woes. This could be this could be good. Now Boston's gonna be tough. I'm not, you know, <laughs> even if Tatum doesn't play, I'm not giving yeah. them much of an opportunity there. They could shock the world, not giving them much of an opportunity there, but but good things coming, I think, for the Charlotte Hornets. You mentioned a star not shooting well. That's the formula for a lot of teams to win. Hornets no different. Steph Curry. Remember when they got the last big win, mm -hmm. Steph Curry did not shoot well at all. DSJ a big part Shut of that. Down. And uh, yeah, here's Carl Anthony Towns not playing well. I believe you called him a steaming pile of uh, poopy is what I believe you called him. Doo-doo. Um, um, Doo-doo. Sorry, poopy. Uh, you said yeah, doggy. Get it right. I, Come on. Sorry. This is a right. professional show. Quote me correctly. It is a little bit different. Um, we did get a report, by the way, with just in the hour from Sham Sharania that the Dallas Mavericks plan to sign Kemba Walker and Way Facundo Compazzo. That's what sources tell the Athletics. So Kemba going to the Dallas Mavericks. This is the Mavericks acquisition that was supposed to happen what, five years ago, Doug? Remember Dallas mm -hmm. was in the Kimball Walker sweepstakes and mm -hmm. eventually he goes to the Boston Celtics, but it's happening now, a little bit later than I'm sure Luka Doncic would have liked, but it's happening now with uh, with Kimba Walker. Any thoughts on Kimba going to Dallas? 
Oh, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad he's he's finding a home. I was a little worried that this this was it for Kemba. You know, I think any any Hornets fan uh, that is that is a serious Hornets fan has to be happy for Kemba to land anywhere. I know that there was a, a large portion of the fan base that wanted Kemba Walker to land in Charlotte. But even though they are down point guards at this point and do have an open roster spot, um, I don't think it would have made much sense to bring Kimba back because, again, eventually you're going to get LaMelo back. Eventually you're going to get DSJ back, and now you've got too many point guards. So yeah. it wouldn't have made much sense, but I'm happy that he's going to land in that particular situation because Dallas, they're under 500 now. They're desperate for somebody to come in and give them a little bit of energy, a little bit of spark, a little bit of punch, and that's exactly you know what Kimba Walker can do. So shouts to Kimba. Good luck. I think I heard on the Zach Lowe podcast that Luka Doncic is on a historic level usage rate wise, maybe like maybe yeah. putting up the third most <clears throat> third highest usage rate of all time. So I, I wonder if that actually suits Kimba better just as he's aging. We don't need mm-hmm. to give you a lot of responsibility with the basketball. Just kind of run around and get ready for some spot up threes. Can can that happen for Kimba? And so I wonder if that's something that well, that can, that's uh, really- yeah, that's interesting, right? Because, you know, he made so much. Uh, made so many waves in Charlotte as not re- not particularly a catch and shoot three point shooter, but somebody that could set mm-hmm. up his own threes. You know, through the pick and roll, finding that little bit of space and knocking it down. So it'll be interesting to see if that's what happens if he transitions to a catch and shoot three point player. And is there uh, could be fun to watch? Is there anything left in Kimba to to give you some Luca bench minutes that Kimba can help? Probably not. But I'm, is there I'm anything sure left that, in the knees. But, yeah, I mean that's the big yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, last thing, just on a serious note. Want to give you know our condolences to the Valancourt family. Jerry Valancourt, Jerry V, as you might know him, passed away this weekend due to a heart condition that he was diagnosed with 25 years ago. If you don't know who Jerry V is, he actually came back to the Charlotte market in 2017 with ESPN 730, now 730 the game. Uh, I worked with him for a couple of years over at 730 ESPN Charlotte. And Jerry V before that was an absolute Charlotte radio institution, a legend called calling games at WFNZ, calling games for the Charlotte Hornets, um, and was working on you know WBT, I believe, as well. So really, on a bunch of different platforms here in the city of Charlotte, when the Hornets would go to New Orleans, Jerry V would follow, spend, I think, about 15 years there in New Orleans before Marty Herney of ESPN 730 decided to bring Jerry V back in 2017 and hosted a radio show, The Jerry V Show, Posted that for a couple of years and really quite a legend. I was interested to see the response to his passing on Twitter and just on social media. You know, Doug, I was not one of these sports radio junkies, despite that being my profession. Now I Mm. grew up just watching a lot of watching a lot of sports media, right? Sports center, you know, local sports coverage. I was not doing a lot of listening in the radio, but a lot of kids were a lot of kids were listening with their fathers growing up in the car and they would hear Jerry V. I've seen some of our listeners discuss how they would go to radio, right? They would go to WFNZ if something big happened with the Hornets or with the Carolina Panthers, and they wanted to hear Jerry V's perspective. You know, throw him in the pool, a classic segment. His bouts with Joe the Fan, who I also give my condolences to, great guy, Joe the Fan, just became a P1 over the years, and, you know, really, really hurting for Joe the Fan and the Valancourt family. Um, You know, look, Jerry V was demanding. Jerry V was had his vision of what he wanted his show to be. And I'll tell you what, but man, bleeping talented at solo radio, like crazy, 
crazy good at solo radio. I'm not sure he messed up more than five times in the two years that I knew him in the twilight of his career. Never, ever boring. In fact, the least boring host I think I've ever known or got to hear in my entire life, whether you disagreed with him or agreed with him, whether you just didn't like his on-air content or not, you can never, ever call him boring, which is what a lot of radio hosts will say is the number one thing you can't be. Um, you know, really always great to me. Ask about my aspirations, asked about my goals. I got to work with him on, you know, probably, I don't know, five, six, seven shows, something like that, producing and co-hosting. Always fantastic. And passing away this weekend, Jerry V did, I believe, at the age of 72. So really a Charlotte sports legend and was happy to be able to work with him, man, to be able to work with a legend and to know him. Uh, pretty special. So just wanted to give the, the thoughts and prayers and do that, all, all that sort of stuff towards the Valancourt family. Doug, I know you got to uh, you know hear him at least later on in his career as well. Well, yeah, and he interviewed, you know, I, I did a couple of hits on his show. Um, right. And yeah, he was, he would always challenge you. Like it was always, <laughs> yeah. it was always interesting yeah. to go on that. Because sometimes you go on and do these radio hits and, and, you know, like I'm doing radio hits for your show right now and, and we're all buddies. And so we talk like buddies and, you know, but he, but he was very much, uh, you know, he wanted to debate you. He wanted to uh, challenge what you were saying. And that was, that was always really interesting and, and made me, I think, a better analyst uh, to be able to go and in, to his arena and, and talk about basketball with him. But he, but he always did it in a respectful way. And, uh, you know, he was such an integral part of Charlotte sports at a time when, you know, when they get the Hornets, it really turned Charlotte into a, like a big city. And, and he, you know, he and a lot of others were a part of that just original crew. And, and I think that's what helped make them Charlotte institutions. And then to go to new Orleans and do it again, you know, to be part of, to be part of two, a markets like that, I think, is a really special thing. So, yeah, Jerry V, one of the goats of, of yeah, Charlotte and, and, Radio and, and Charlotte Sports Media. So, yeah, um, condolences to the family. Absolutely. And proud of the work that he did during Hurricane Katrina doing news talk down in New Orleans as well. That's something he yeah. talked about, something that he discussed, seeing a city come together <laughs> like that, being the voice. <laughs> I just, I right. just thought of uh, the every time I did his show, he would always, I would, you know, go on something about you know Nick Batum's shooting percentage or something, and he'd go, Doug, you know, there's a saying, you know what that saying is? <laughs> like, I don't know, Jerry, was, <laughs> he would give me just some some great like basketball saying, and then go into a spiel. I just love that. I mean, he was he was great. He was oh, awesome. there, there is, there will never be another Jerry V. That 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 brain, that personality, you just can't match it. And I think that's what you look for in a host, being that unique, um, to be one of one, and to be pretty comfortable and realize there will never be another one like Jerry V. Yeah, uh, really, Charlotte legend. And again, condolences to his family because I'm sure they're going through a really tough time. But they're taking it. You know, it, it's interesting to hear them say, "Chase, you're crazy," which was a saying from Jerry V. Mm. Um, you know, that this had been something they were happy to have 25 years more than, you know, I mean, they thought they were not going to get nearly that when he was diagnosed with that heart condition. So I'm glad that he lived a happy full life. That's that's one thing you can say sure about Jerry V. 
Thanks for making us your first listen every single day. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods. Make your second listen locked on sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back to recap the Celtics game tomorrow.